It's Thursday, March 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Ron Gross and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we doing? How are you doing, hey, Matt? We're well. You? I'm doing good. Good. You looking I'm, good? Thank you. You know, you have to kind of say that, right? Yeah. I will tell you this. I do have a new shirt on, and I'm feeling better than Barnes and Noble and Kroger are feeling <laughs> today. <laughs> so, right down to business. Is there what you're you saying. go. Let's right go. down to business. It's a Kirkland shirt. That is not a Kirkland shirt. Ooh, on the there you go. The day as is Costco earnings come out at market close, I thought maybe a Kirkland shirt would give them a little. You think extra I'm a one trick pony? You think that's the only place? No, I think you got a lot of tricks. Okay. No question there. Well, that's not. I just know your loyalty to Kirkland. I admire it. Okay. Okay, so guys, it was a and it is a bad day for Barnes and Noble and Kroger. We're going to get to that, but we begin with big news from Facebook. In a blog post on Wednesday, Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg said he wanted Facebook to become a quote privacy focused communications platform. End quote. Hmm. Okay. So here, here curiouser and curious, curiouser and curiouser. Here is the money quote from his blog post. I believe the future of communication will increasingly shift to private encrypted services where people can be confident what they say to each other stays secure and their messages and content won't stick around forever. End quote. Okay, Jason. We do not have a lot in the way of specifics, but this sounds like this could have huge implications for the business. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think if, in fact, he does end up pursuing this type of strategy, it would have material impacts on the business. Now, because of that, I don't think he will ultimately end up pursuing this strategy. Um, but I mean, I do appreciate what he's saying. I appreciate that he's getting out there and talking about privacy, because obviously, Facebook has had a lot of issues in, in regard to privacy recently. The problem I have is, and I'm, I don't mean to sound so skeptical, but when but. you think about what Facebook <laughs> is, when you think about what Facebook has become today, privacy basically runs counter to the company's DNA completely. And why is that? Well, because Facebook was built on you putting all of those pictures out there for everyone to see. I mean, basically, it's they mentioned it a couple of times, more than a couple of times, that blog post. Uh, it's it's been sort of that public square where you just. Put that stuff out there for the world to see. And I agree. I think that as we're seeing the evolution of social media, I think we're seeing people starting to prioritize privacy over living their life for everyone to see. There's a more of a premium on me being able to communicate with someone or a small group of people intimately, as opposed to having to yell it out there and tell everyone what I just had for breakfast. And that's fine. But remember, if you go to that private side and you're talking about encrypting data to where Facebook can't even see it, well, that business model has been built solely on advertising to this point. If you don't have that data, then you're not lobbying you're not lobbying up relevant ads, which completely throws their business model, uh, you know, it's total total chaos. Yeah, obviously they've been under. A lot of a lot of stress here over the last couple of years <laughs> with respect to privacy, and this may be an overcorrection on Zuckerberg's part. I I don't doubt that they will move towards some of this, but they've got twenty two billion dollars of net income to protect, and if they move too quickly and that starts to plummet. Obviously, the stock will get crushed. A lot of implications um, uh, would reverberate down the road from from moving too quickly. So, whatever happens will be slow because they're going to protect that cash flow. 
a lot of thoughts out there about how they could potentially monetize this new privacy world that Zuckerberg has in mind. And ads will always be a big part of that. A lot of talk about how the Stories platform, um, kind of like the Snapchat platform, um, would be a good place where ads could still be delivered up. Uh, conversations about a cryptocurrency to allow people to transfer money from from one person to another, um, perhaps through the WhatsApp um, feature, um, but it could be in, in a number of different places. And a, a third way Facebook could could make money is uh, focus on private messaging and shopping. Um, he's been talking more about shopping lately than I've, I've seen him do in the past because, again. If you're going to move to this, you got to figure out how to make some money here. Um, it's a multi multi billion dollar company that you need to protect. And along those lines, it's worth reminding everyone that when we're talking Facebook, we're not just talking about Facebook, the core platform. We're talking Instagram and WhatsApp. And Jason, we were talking before the show. WhatsApp, people love the service. There's only one problem, right? Well, yeah. I mean, Ron was the word you heard Ron mentioned multiple times. There was could, um, <laughs> as in maybe. And I mean, I would encourage anyone who's interested in this, please go actually read the blog post that Zuckerberg wrote. Don't read the articles talking about it. Read the actual post, and I think you'll see what I saw, which was essentially just a very long-winded sort of look at. So you like uh, the post privacy? Generally speaking, no. <laughs> I think brevity wins out. But to me, he it was he just continued to equivocate all the way through. He never really committed to anything. I think this was more of a PR move than anything else because I think once you get to the to the nuts and bolts of what this would mean for the business, it would it 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 would have a material impact on the on the business model itself. It's not to say that you can't make money doing these things like commerce and payments or whatnot, but it's also not like this is the first time we've heard Facebook. Throw that idea out there. They would like to, you know, be able to make money in commerce and payments. There is a reason why companies like PayPal and Square and Amazon are succeeding in Wayfair. They're e-commerce and payments businesses. Facebook is not. So when you talk about a company that has really flushed a lot of trust down the toilet here over the past couple of years, I don't know why you would be able to get someone from one of those platforms that does something so well over to the Facebook universe. And we've talked a lot about how messaging is an extremely difficult platform to monetize, whether it's Messenger or WhatsApp or direct messaging on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Messaging inherently is difficult to monetize because it's so personal in nature, and people don't want that invasion of privacy, so to speak. And that's why I ultimately don't think there's going to be much that comes of this. I think it was a great PR move. It makes him look a little bit better. It sounds like he cares, and I and I don't doubt that he does, but I don't think that they're going to fundamentally change much of what the business is all about. Okay, so I was a little hurt because you left me hanging <laughs> on my WhatsApp comment. I said there was one problem with WhatsApp, and I think you got there at the end. What's the one big problem with WhatsApp? Well, I mean, it's a messaging platform, right? I mean, and, it just from doesn't a business make any standpoint, money. thank you. Right? It doesn't. Well, I guess I'm you're killing so me. I guess I didn't lead. Me. I guess I didn't lead with my story. That's all right. I, I me. But I mean, okay, we got there. We to got your there. point, it is a very good one. I mean, WhatsApp just doesn't make any money, and they they paid twenty billion dollars for that platform. That's just details. With the promise of, well, eventually we'll figure it out, and and that's a lot of what this blog post is. Well, eventually we'll figure it out. 
I mean, I, you know, I'm one of those begrudging bulls on Facebook. I don't like being a bull on Facebook because I don't like Facebook. But I also can't deny the fact that when you have two billion people on the face of the planet using one or more of your services, it's very difficult not to make money. But you want to know how you don't make money? You pivot and start trying to make money on messaging. That's where you don't make money, and so that's okay. why I don't think they ultimately will be able to follow through with this because it's just not the most lucrative market opportunity. And he's got a business to run. Okay, we'll call you cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually do want to comment on the stock just just for a second, because it's a Fang stock, and we think of it as one of these go-go stocks, which may or may not be cash flow positive or operating have operating profits. Um, I think it gets it gets thought of incorrectly. Facebook is a company that generates gobs of cash flow, thirty billion dollars of cash flow. It's a stock that trades at twenty-two times earnings. Not expensive. Not a go-go stock. Not a stock that doesn't have profits. It's different. Um, and again, I get back to what I said earlier. Because of that, they're not going to they're going to protect. I think those profits. They're not going to all of a sudden become an unprofitable company with ideas for the future. Lofty goals. Goals, lofty growth goals. They're going to protect that valuable cash flow, move into this either very slowly or perhaps in the end, not at all. Okay, and one more data point there, Ron. Queen Elizabeth just posted on Instagram for the first time on Thursday. How great is that? Market well, top. Market top. Yes. Yeah, she yeah, she posted a letter. <laughs> she posted a letter sent to her great great grandfather, Prince Albert, in 1843. Ron, I apologize because I always, always forget. So I apologize asking you this, but Queen Elizabeth, was she your year in high school or a year behind you? <laughs> You're wow. older than me, young man. How dare you? Quick okay. question for you. I mean, because you you hit on something really important there. Facebook yeah. makes a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, they do have to consider that when they look at strategies like this. All of that being considered, I mean, do you feel like the low-hanging fruit with Facebook has probably been picked at this point with investors? I mean, it's a big company today. We're talking about like a $500 billion, close to that, market cap. Do you think the low-hanging fruit's been picked? Yep. Yeah. I do. I do. It's 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 not the Facebook, the Google growth stock of, of old. Um, I still think they're continue to to generate tons of cash going forward, um, but it's a, it's a different stock than it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, we talked a lot on Motley Fool Money before about how a while back we thought they had aspirations to get into the payments business, and, and I mean, I think that was probably a good strategy. Um, I don't think they've shown that they're quite responsible enough to handle something like that. But really, we figured that the easiest way for them to get access was to acquire either something like PayPal or something like Square. Uh, PayPal is probably too big now and wouldn't want to be a part of that family anyway. Square, I'm quite certain Jack Dorsey didn't want to be a part of that family. And I don't think regulators would allow any of that to happen anyway. So, they're really kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Okay, well, we'll come back to the stock and my desert island <laughs> question here. But let's move on to a rough, rough day for Kroger. Shares down around 12% at the time of our taping. Disappointing in earnings and revenue. Now, guys, Kroger's spending a lot on online sales, on delivery, on improving their stores, and they're facing fierce competition from the likes of Walmart and Amazon. What do we think of Kroger? I mean, I, as far as grocers go, I like it. I mean, I think it's one of the better operators out there. I think Harris Teeter's a pretty sweet uh, experience. I Agreed. enjoy it. Agreed. But, you know, I mean, this is why I don't own any grocer stocks in my portfolio. <laughs> because, I mean, you, you really. Like it's such a it's such a tight margin game to begin with on a good day, that when you have to start investing in your business like they have to do, um, 
it just makes it even that much more difficult to compete. So, I mean, grocery stores, I think if you're going to go, if you're going to look for that grocer exposure in your portfolio, Mac's going to love this. <laughs> you got to go with something like Costco. Thank you. You got to get that membership model that just breeds that fiercely loyal customer base. We talked a lot about Costco in Austin last week. A lot of people out there still really love it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I. It, Good, good company, good grocer, raised their dividend for the twelfth consecutive yes, year. Maybe did. they're trying yeah. to get to be that dividend aristocrat at some point. I will tell you, I was in Costco this week, and I had a feeling that I've never ever had in Costco disappointment. Ooh. And it's because I think that some of the quality of the clothes is slipping a bit. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's and that's and, so funny. The quality and, of the clothes. It's like an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but they, they've always been about value. Like when we interviewed Jim Senegal back in the day, he, he doesn't he doesn't look at Costco and like they don't like the word cheap, right? It's all about good value. Sure. And and if people start feeling like the value is slipping, right? Yeah, that you're cutting that's corners. Not good, yeah. That's not good. And so th- these are just like sweatpants. Are the rotisserie chickens still good? Um, the, the food is still solid. <laughs> right, so. and not as many samples on weekdays now. That's another complaint. But you, you know, do. I was telling you, I got a couple of those Amazon Essentials dress shirts because I, I honestly I wanted to see number one, are they a good quality? Is Woof. it worth my time? <laughs> do the measurements hold true? And if so, maybe there's something there. Because if I don't have to leave the house to get clothes, yeah. I'm not leaving the house. How'd to get that clothes. work out? I got to tell you, I'm very impressed. Really? I got two dress shirts. They hold up very nicely. Okay. Nice, thick cotton, fit well, look nice. Okay, back to Kroger. <laughs> One more thing on groceries. I want to ask Jason. What do you think about Amazon getting into into actual grocery stores, brick and mortar? Uh, so I, I think it's something that is obviously complementary to what they have with Whole Foods. I think that when you look at grocery, you're really looking at scale being a massive competitive advantage. If you can build out that network of distribution, whether it's fulfillment centers or actual stores, you do have that advantage advantage of being able to, to you know, leverage some of those costs. Again, if if Amazon was just a grocery <laughs> company, I don't think I'd be three percent margins. Don't this impress is, you. This is just one of those things that uh, you know they've already committed to it with a Whole Foods acquisition. So hey, why not just try to get every price point? Okay, guys. Well, and speaking of bad days, Barnes and Noble. Wow, mm, they, yeah. may, they may want to hang out with Kroger at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Shares of Barnes and Noble down around twelve percent on earnings. Sales were flat for the holidays. Barnes and Noble warning that full year earnings will be weaker than expected. So that's not good. But there was some good news. Same store sales up one point one percent which the company said was its best quarterly performance in several years. I'm trying to square that. Well, there with you the had that's what, that the... was going to be my lead. <laughs> yes. There therein lies the problem. 1.1% was their best performance and, and, in and, years. And that's kind of considered flattish, you know, I guess for the yeah. holiday quarter. Mm-hmm. But you know, is it is it is it that bad? Is it 12% down bad? The 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 Guidance going forward is what's killing the stock. Let's not forget the company still is profitable, right? They're going to do even with the lowered guidance, 150 million dollars in EBITDA probably um, on an annual basis. Um, it's just what are you going to pay for that um, from a stock perspective? And you have a company that is constantly—I mean, the fifth CEO in 60, 60 years, I believe—we're um, wow. looking for right now. Uh, it's tough. They they do have a, sp- a special committee that's looking at offers that people have made for the company, including for former founder uh, Leonard Riggio. Um, it's a struggling business. I think there's a place for brick and mortar bookstores still. You just got to get the footprint right, and you got to get the number of stores right, and then you can have a nice little business. Uh, and and the emphasis, I guess, is on little here. Um, right now, you got the stock trading at four times EBITDA, theoretically cheap, but not if things are going to keep being uh, if guidance is going to continue to be cut downward. 
Yeah, I think also another um, dynamic that plays in that, because I agree, I think there is a space for bricks and mortar bookstores. I mean, I, I even still like going in. I'm a Kindle guy, really. I was in there last week. I love, love, love just being in a bookstore. I, I do too. And I think one thing, you know, when Amazon started building out those little bricks and mortar bookstores here and there, they don't have many of them, they got them here and there. The one thing that they are able to do is they are they're able to use the data that they get from their readership, whether it's Amazon or Goodreads, and they can basically cater those stores to what they know people are going to be reading. And so they can they can maintain a much leaner cost structure on those stores that they that they own. Uh, Barnes and Noble, I mean, that's always been like one of the biggest places you've ever been to. Like you walk in there and just <laughs> three get floors. Lost. The stores are nice. I love it. Yeah, I mean, cafes. I could sit there, and I stumble could, upon I could the Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. oh, totally. I, could, I could be in that store all day long and never get bored, but it costs a lot of money oh, to, to the, maintain that. Presence, the cat so. calendars alone. I mean, just there's yeah. a whole aisle of like cat calendars. <laughs> I think I think uh, you know you're seeing a little bit of a resurgence for the mom and pop bookstore, the book, the bricks and mortar. Bookstore and Barnes and Noble has continued to hold a brand recognition in that space. I mean, if they can right size the cost structure of the business, it may not be the best growth opportunity yeah, in the right. world. But like Ron said, there's a space for it. So, so let's talk about that a bit more as we wrap up because we are a show for investors. So, if I'm an investor, if I'm looking at this stock and I'm looking at Barnes and Noble, do they have to get more people into the stores, or as you say, do they have to basically just radically change their business model and move? Towards online, which hasn't worked in the past for them that well. No, they have how to do have, they get people in the stores? They have to have an online presence, and the people people still go to the stores. Okay, they're, right. they're still profitable. Let's not forget. But they need more. But people. they need less stores, and the stores don't need to be as big. You okay. rationalize the operating cost Smaller structure. Footprint. Uh, you maintain your profitability, and you just settle on being a nice business. It's not a huge growth business, but a nice business that can generate. Relatively stable cash flow on an annualized basis. I got the answer. Okay, you just partner up with Costco, sublet a little space in every Costco around the country. I like boom, that. Problem solved. I like that. Or Dave and Buster's maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, not so much. No. no. Okay. More of a Costco okay. guy. Okay, so we got our desert island question once again. Do not invest this way at home. It's just a fun. It's just a it's just whimsical. Fun. It's, it's just a whimsical fun. question. Okay, so you're on a desert island. You have five years, and you have one stock that you can buy: Facebook, Kroger. Barnes and Noble. I think this is going to be a slam dunk, but maybe not. Surprise! Yeah, I am a Facebook shareholder of these three. I'm going with Facebook, but if I mean it's not steep competition here. The new private encrypted Facebook, (laughs) right? So I mean, it's going to be an interesting next five years, though. It's not a slam dunk buying Facebook right here, but again, 22 times earnings, and I think their cash flow will will at least be steady, not not get crushed, no matter where they go here. So I go Facebook. I'm buying the dip. I'm going Kroger. I'm buying that dividend, baby. The nice nice thing, the one thing I will say about grocery stores, while I don't own them, everybody's got to eat. Yes. And they have Kroger and Harris Teeter, a big presence around the country. Pretty loyal shoppers, okay? I mean, you know, they're building out their private label brands there, partnering up with Alibaba and Tmall to get some international distribution there. I still think there's an opportunity for Kroger to grow here and there. But, you know, if you're talking about a company that's prioritizing growing their dividend every year and you're thinking they want to get to that dividend aristocrat status, then basically you're telling me that for the next 13 years they're going to raise their dividend every year. I'm in. You know, I. I don't know about the stock, but I love Kroger stores. They're really nice. They nice. And I have a soft spot because I think a Kroger was the first place where I ever saw where you could mix and match and make your own six pack. And I'll like never that. forget, you know, where you can you can just pull a beer, different craft beers, and assemble it as a six pack. And I'm like, you know what? 
what will we think of next? We've we've, we've put, <laughs> put a, man, a man on the moon. we've put a man on the moon, and now you can build your own six pack. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think we're Rome. No. I think we've hit our peak. Every once in a while, I go home, and my lovely wife comes home with one of those six packs that she's put together for me, and I just remember. Yeah. How lucky I am. Yeah, and you can't and you cannot do that at Costco. No. Okay, Ron, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank, Thank you, Mac. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.